Before we start today's episode of the Deep Place podcast, I've got to let you guys know, super exciting, that today, as this podcast launches, is also the launch of the School for Creative Development. I've been talking about it over the last few weeks as you've listened to this podcast, uh, but today is the official launch of the school. So you can go and you can register at www.schoolforcreativedevelopment.com. Now, I've set this thing up. Basically, it's all of my online courses that I've been doing over the last while, plus this third season of the podcast, all brought in together to become four modules in this school. It's a learning community for you to engage in. Uh, It's filled with Zoom sessions and um, being able to upload things and have people respond. And basically, it's like 50 hours of videos and audio content. It's a whole lot of learning, but at the heart of it, this is a space for you to come wherever you are at in your creative practice. Whether you are a creative professional and doing this or whether you're just beginning to think maybe you could be creative or whether you don't even think you're creative, um, wherever you're at, this is a space for you to come and to learn more and engage Uh, and have a community there with you uh, as you try to take these creative reflections you've been hearing in the Deep Place podcast and really work out how it practically could be uh, lived out in your life, both your normal life and your every and your creative life, the stuff that you do creatively. So uh, go and check out schoolforcreativedevelopment.com. And, and the amazing thing about this and something that I really wanted to do is not just put this as a set price, uh, but instead, as you'll see, you can go there and there's a number of suggestions uh, you can register. It's a subscription model. So you're, you're essentially paying monthly to be a part of this learning community. But you there's a whole lot of different price things there. So it's your choice. It's self-governing as to what you feel like you could pay monthly for this school, this creative development school. I am super excited about it. I hope that you uh, jump on and have a look. If you haven't got to have a look, um, we're going to have our first uh, Zoom session is coming up soon in December. uh, And then in January, we're really going to kick in with the learning community going through specifically the learnings of this third season of the podcast. Uh, Go and have a look, www.schoolforcreativedevelopment.com. Have you ever awoken to find yourself parched mouth and a shrunken stomach and you have not eaten food for days because you got nothing to give this starving stomach of yours because you are somehow stranded now out in the middle of a desert? And you don't know how long that you've been out here for and you don't know how long you have to go. You kind of, you made your way out of that maze of a forest thanks to the help of a high tree and a fellow traveler, the one with that broken ankle who's now been by your side this whole time. Out of the forest, you both came to discover a whole new land. So you walked and you taught your new friend that unfamiliar tune and because it reminded him of his 
own unfamiliar tune and you wound your way down through the paths that led southeast, always southeast. You two hitched rides on carts when the road was large and walked the valley paths and fought off some bandits who came to steal your worth. But you sent those guys running. You crossed rivers and by each other's warning you ignored all the distractions that came up to take you away from the journey. You two adventured high and low and you slid down slopes and through valley upon valley and fertile field and then, then you came to the desert you were about to turn and circle around it when you saw an old lady staring out into the hazy distance. You told her that you were just going to go around it. She shakes her head and she said, I've tried, trust me, I've tried, but every path comes back here eventually. One way or another, we all have to cross this desert. Well, let's do it together then, you tell her, and she agrees, and so you set out. There are three now walking through the sand, and it was mile after mile of nothing but sand and rock and a few scraggly trees. Hot days turned to freezing nights, freezing nights back to hot days. You walked as much as you could at night by the soft light of that torch that still gave out just enough to see by one step, one more, three figures so small amongst all that vast sand. Soon the food was gone and not much further so was the water and now your skin is burnt and your tongue is dry. Still you walk on though you feel not an ounce of life anywhere around you but just as you don't think you can go on when all has been lost when you wonder why you ever came out into the desert in the first place it is then that your friend sees a trickle of water coming out of a rock and it gives you three travelers just enough you walk on and in the midst of your hunger the old lady who journeys with you now she sees a set of small tracks in the sand and she remembers back to her own life and being taught by her father about tracking small creatures and so she helps you track this little desert animal and for the first time in a long while your belly has this scrap of food inside it and This becomes the way of it, a scrap of food each day, a a berry from a tree or a lizard and the fire and a small spring of water day in and day out. And it feels like the longest drought, the longest hours and days you could even remember day in and day out. You keep going, you walk southeast always southeast. You talk, you walk, a scrap of food, you walk, a sip of water from a tiny stream, you walk, certain you shall die, you walk, you talk, a scrap of food, you walk southeast, a sip of water from a tiny stream, you walk, certain you shall die, you walk, you... Wait, what's what's that in the distance? Is it a mirage? No. It's the end of this desert. It is a tree and another and green. You can see green and with the bare 
strength that you have left, you make your way to the river and you dive in, letting all that sand wash from your body. Welcome to the deep place. Friends, you are listening to season three of the Deep Place podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, and let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Auntie Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. I know, I know, I can hear all these listeners out there saying, Joel, what the hell? I thought we just got through, like, the forest and now we're back in the desert, I hear you. You're like, just give us some good news about about the creative journey. Why are we going to go? Why are you taking us through the forest and the deserts and when things suck? Surely there's good times in the creative life and there is, friends, there is, but on every adventure every adventure, there's always got to be conflict. We're going to come to a break. In in fact, really, really soon, we'll come to the sanctuary episode. You can just, just look forward to that. (laughs) to the good times. There's good times ahead and there's good times on the road. We're on the road of trials, friends. We're on the road of trials is what this is called in the hero's journey and and those kind of things. It's the road of conflict. It's the one thing after another after another. Um, Any story is full of conflict and any journey is full of conflict and any creative journey and creative practice and creative process and all that we do, it's full of conflict. Whether it's a maze in a forest and you feel lost or bandits that are trying to steal your self-worth or or whether it's a desert where you are just 100% run dry, inspiration has left the building, you have nothing left to give. But, But once again, here's the thing, like the question we must ask ourselves when we are going through along the road of trials, through the trials and the tribulations on our journey, the question has to be, what is this doing inside me? What is the desert teaching me? What am I learning about life and myself and my understanding of the world through these times when I am walking in the desert of my life where life seems to have disappeared, the desert of my creativity where I am, I've been run dry and I've got nothing. What, what kind of person is the desert shaping you into? Because friends... The desert, too, will be your teacher if you let it. Yes, the desert is a son of a... (laughs) It's hard. The desert is hard. 
those times when you feel so creatively dry, like there's nothing that you have left to give, like inspiration has gone and you are a husk blown in the hot wind where where once there was some thriving creative practice or where once you had these dreams of what this creative project was going to be and now you've come into the desert of the real as Neo once once posited it as the desert of the real. But here's the thing, and I like this analogy from, I can't believe I'm doing a Matrix analogy. We're not back in the 1990s. I don't know when the Matrix came out, early 2000s, uh, when every talk that you ever heard was kind of based around the Matrix. I know we're not back there. We're in 2022, but come on, the Matrix can still teach us some wonderful things. I, I love... I mean, this. of course, there's so much brilliantness within The Matrix, but simply the idea um, that there is reality, uh, but for most of us, we ignore it because ignorance is bliss. The reality of the creative journey is that we will and the reality of a life journey, a life um, that is seeking to live integrated and connective, living to the fullest extent that you might be able to and drawing your creativity into that, the reality of that kind of life um, is that it's hard because it means naming all of these different ways and recognizing all of these different ways that we have um, that we have that we have strung our own hammies. No, that's not the right word. Cut our own Achilles. Something about Achilles and cutting our own Achilles. That's what I'm, now. I don't know what this is. Um, I hope you kind of get what I mean. We self sabotage. That's what I'm saying. All these ways that we self sabotage ourselves because it's so hard to do the the self confrontation that is needed both for our creativity and to live the thriving, beautiful, wonderful life. And so we avoid it. We live in the matrix. We live in the fake pretend world, the simulation rather than the simulacra. Um, You can go and check that out. Maybe I should talk about simulations and simulacras at some point. I'm not going to do that right now. But what I am saying is uh, enough, enough of the pretending for us. Like I think many of us are It's like we're walking through the desert without even realizing that our creativity has been wrung dry uh, because we just fixate our eyes on other things. Like we just pretend that this is not the reality. We go through life. Um, So many of us go through life kind of just pretending everything is okay when, when we know that it is not. And you know what the desert forces us to do? It forces us to confront the pain, to not run from the pain. But pain always, pain forces us to be present, doesn't it? Pain forces us to be present until we numb it. (laughs) We numb it in all the different ways that we numb pain. Um, but pain just in, in general, it forces us to be present physical pain. Or when we get sick, that's the times that we, or or something happens in our body. That's the time we become present to our body when it's hurting. Uh, other, all the other times we just forget about it and we go on with the day. Um, physical pain causes us to be present to our body, the pains of life. 
the confrontations of life, the desert times of life, if we are willing, if we are willing, it forces us into the present. It forces us to stop romanticizing the past and stop, stop dreaming of this, um, uh, this future that is not yet that we hope to be. It demands that we come present. You have to be present in the desert or you won't survive or you won't survive. It is so, so bloody hard, but we like to ignore it. That's what I was saying with all of this stuff. We like to ignore it. I um, I wrote a book a few years ago called The Woven Self. If you haven't got it yet, what the heck are you doing in my book? Gosh, how rude of you. Uh, the Woven Self, A Faith for the Dissatisfied. And uh, in this book, I look at how we start off in um, what I call the sculpted self. We start off as the sculpted self, who we are shaped by the nurturing community around us that has sculpted us. Uh, so it was the, the, I look a lot at kind of the church that I grew up in and the home that I grew up in. And I mean, the society that we all grow up in, the, it, it's how our beliefs and ideals and our worldviews are sculpted by that kind of nurturing community community, whether it was nurturing or not, it, it, possibly it wasn't nurturing at all in the slightest, but it's shaped you. It's shaped how you see relationships, how you see God, how you see creativity, how you see yourself, all of that kind of thing. That's our sculpted self. It's the idea uh, that I often talk about that a fish in a bowl doesn't know that it's wet, that we've been swimming around. Our fishbowl reality is our sculpted reality. We have no idea about how that has shaped us to be who we are, but it has and then the the shit hits the fan and that that fish bowl is smashed uh, is what I look at in, in the book and it moves us into the unraveled self. Like the reality of life in some way happens where we move from our, our childhood situation where we, we believe what we believe because we were told to believe it and we thought about the world in the way that our parents did or the way that church told us to or the way that whatever told us to. Uh, but then we kind of, things happen. We see the hypocrisy, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that I was talking about that move us out from that place of home. A few episodes ago, we we're talking about all those things that, that that kind of either force us to go on the journey, whatever it might be, and it moves us into the unraveled self. This unraveled self, the un where everything unravels, where our firm foundations crumble and we question and doubt and wrestle and struggle and, and, we, and we point lots of accusatory fingers back at our nurturing community. This unraveled times, deconstruction, whatever you might want to call it, some people call it the critical thinking desert. And here's the thing, here's what, what any, like I did had for this book, I did a whole lot of research, not even for this book, for my life, because I was doing a lot of journeying alongside young people. Uh, throughout my life, I have done that. People trying to work out, young adults trying to work out who they are and where they fit, et cetera, et cetera. And all of the research and all that I've seen and all that I've done, the, the reality that everyone comes to is it's the critical thinking desert is a, we need to go through it. It's a needed desert to go through. 
just just like in the story, our intro story from the start, our, our new friend, that old lady told us, everyone eventually goes through the desert. Every path leads back to the desert. We cannot help it. We cannot help it that desert realities will be a reality in our life. That whether you want to call it the critical thinking desert or times of deconstruction or, um, or in terms of the creative life, the desert times when you are just run dry and what you thought this creative journey was going to be, it is not. We all go through the desert. The desert is needed. We need the desert because it shapes us in a new and different way to what the sculpted self shaped us as, to what home shaped us as. We have left and we've gone on the journey and it's bloody hard. Uh, Life is hard and you can so easily get stuck walking in circles in this desert if you don't have a direction to head in. You can get stuck in the quicksand, (laughs) that that infamous quicksand that all the cartoons from our childhood told us would be a huge problem in our adult years, uh, that we'd have to avoid quicksand all the time like in all the cartoons. Turns out quicksand's pretty rare, (laughs) but not, not this quicksand. This quicksand is not rare, not this thing dragging you down, the things that drag you down, the the desert that crushes your spirit, burning you to a crisp. We can't avoid it. We just can't avoid these things, these times, these desert times, whatever the wilderness might look like for you, whatever that kind of experience might look like for you. We cannot avoid it, but we can get through it. And not only can we get through it, it it can teach us as we go and it can shape us as we go if we let it. Remember, the desert is your teacher if you let it teach you. So what is it teaching you? In fact, why don't you think now back to though, perhaps you're in a desert time now, or perhaps you're not, but when you have been in a desert time, whether it's a creative desert, a creative wilderness where where your passion and joy and thriving creativity is just nothing, like you got nothing. Think back to those times um, or just desert times in life where um, you have been stranded out in the hot sun and you feel like a husk compared to what you thought life was going to be. Think back to those times that you have done in the desert. And I want you to have a think, what was it teaching you? What was the desert teaching you during those times? This inevitable desert that we all go through. Because what it was teaching you in those times, if you can name those things, you're beginning to understand what the desert has to teach us in the future as we go wandering through the deserts that we inevitably will go wandering through, you're beginning to name the shaping of how those hard times in life have have actually brought about a better you. And if we can name those things and hold on to those things, then when we go through the future hard times in life, in the desert, one of the major things that we can do 
is to remember. Last time I was in a desert, this is what I was being taught. And I became a better person through that and a bigger person through that. And I I had these self-confrontations. I chose not just to sit in the matrix and, and hang out with that dude who cuts the steak and says ignorance is bliss. If you remember back to when you watched the matrix many, many, many years ago. Um, the desert, remember the desert and who you became in the past deserts of your life. And now as you go through the desert again, you will know that it is teaching you. And remember, like think now, what is the desert teaching me? What is the desert teaching me? Who am I becoming because of this desert? And I've got a few ideas. So let's go. Let me drop in here some words from our sponsors. Liz Mullaney says, come home to yourself. You're a lovely place to be. Ah, come home to yourself. You are a lovely place to be. She is full of wisdom, Liz Mullaney, and all the different writers and authors that she gets to to bring stuff together to become The Practice Co. It's an app uh, and a whole lot of other stuff. community really of people who are trying to work through what does it look like to come home to yourself and to allow yourself to be that lovely place. If you're trying to work through your own spiritual journey, check out thepracticecode.com. talked a lot about one of our sponsors, ACOM, Australian College of Ministry, and the course that I run there. But one of the other courses you can do there is the Art and Science of Formation. Uh, and the write-up about this says, this practical unit invites us to reclaim the word discipline as a creative and positive dimension in our spiritual lives. As we train in the spiritual disciplines, we create new patterns of interaction, giving rise to the kinds of transformation that our heart and soul so deeply desires. I talk lots in the deep place about creative rhythms, creative disciplines, creative practice. And this course to me looks beautiful in the terms of creating a rhythm of life in your spiritual practice. And I would say as well in your creative practice, that's gonna really help you actually live out the stuff that you wanna be on about. So go, if you're interested in in an online accredited study, go and check out acom.edu.au. Walking through the desert. One of the major things that I think the desert teaches us is what the the old lady, our new friend, the old lady in our journey uh, showed us is that the desert is teaching us how to be a tracker, how to find life within the desert, to find the hints of the things that will keep you alive, the, the animal footprints in the ground that show you where life is. So that when, when inspiration has left the building, it's still there. We've just got to search it out. But it is, it is even, even when you feel like there is nothing creatively left, inspiration is still there. You've just got to search it out. You cannot wait for it to come to you, especially when you're in the desert. Like a tracker, find the signs of the animal tracks. 
um, before they get even get close to the animal, a tracker finds the signs, which is like observing the world around you, looking for the footprints and the signs, the feathers, the scuffs on the ground, broken twigs, whatever it might be. Um, what you're searching for is just like when we're looking for these things, all, all we're trying to find is this. This is when, when you've got nothing left. I still think you can do this. You can see the tiny bits and pieces that are slightly different from what should be. The things that slightly stand out. The crack in the concrete where a tiny little shoot of green comes up the bird call that you hear that reminds you of something. It's the way that person shuffles their feet in front of you. You see, inspiration comes to us. Like we so often think that it's this huge, um, that it's this kiss from the heavens, that inspiration is this beautiful, wonderful experience of creative flow and you get it and you tap into it and you flow down that river and occasionally it might be, but what if, especially when you feel like that's, there's just, that's gone, that's nowhere near. Here's the thing, part of being a practicing creative within your life is to choose to find, to choose to look for inspiration, even when you don't feel like it, even when there doesn't seem to be any water or food or sustenance around, you look for the tiny, tiny bits of inspiration and you just grab them. Just like you would if you were out in the desert um, starving and... and, and what's the word when you... Starving to death, but what's the word when you don't have enough water and you die? What's that called? Yep, that word. Um, when you're out in the world of your life, in the reality of your life, always there is tiny pieces of inspiration all around you for you to keep creating with. Grab a hold of those little things. And even if you do nothing with them yet, then it's just that process of just grabbing that small fragment of inspiration, that tiny something, a, a word that you hear that just has the tiniest little spark to it, a, a conversation, a, um, something that you see, uh, and just grab those things, write them in, in your phone. Uh, in just a, I have an observation, journal, observation folder in notes in my phone, and it becomes one of those things that when I just see something that's just slightly different, all it has to be is slightly different. It just captures your attention in the slightest way. I grab that and I write it down as quick as I can. And many of those things become really beautiful parts of poetry that I then write later on. So even when you're going through the desert, what the desert is teaching you, if you let it, is to open your eyes to all the ways that the world is still speaking to you even when you don't feel it. Look for those ways all around you. This is like down to real practical nuts and bolts, getting your phone and writing down um, the things that stand out to you. Perhaps it's a pattern that you see or a color that you see, or it's just something that evokes the tiniest bit of something in you. It might evoke a tiny memory. 
something that evokes something in you. <laughs> I'm being so articulate in, in this podcast. I'm, I'm a poet. Just go for that something that evokes something. You know, all those... <laughs> Um, I I hope you get what I'm talking about. This is one of the major things the desert is teaching us. How to see again. How to see again. To not think that the... To not think that the beautiful things must be extraordinary things. But rather, in the ordinary, we might find the beautiful. In the tiny scraps and and markings might actually lead us to the life that we need to give us sustenance in our desert journey. second major thing that I think the, um, that the desert is teaching us or showing us when we're in those times is that no matter what we are going through, life will always provide for us what we need. And I know it doesn't feel like that. So many times it doesn't feel like that. And and when you're walking through that desert and you just want to give up and you're getting angry and frustrated because you thought it would look like this, because it was meant to be like that, because this has happened and this has happened. And rightly so, you feel gypped, you feel betrayed, uh, you feel angry and despondent and how long can I even go on for? And yet I really do believe, because I have seen it in my own life and I have been it for others in their life, that just as our, our protagonist in our introductory story that I've been sharing, just as our, our protagonist there goes through this desert, right, and just at the point of giving up, there's that trickle of water. And, and just at the point of, of starving, there's that, there's that, those tracks that lead to that animal. And uh, our protagonist, our main character, has these two others that have joined them on this journey, on this trek. And so it's, the, it's finding this food, and this water, and these friends. There's no way that, that we could get through the desert without these things. And even when it feels like there is nothing, like I've got nothing. And, and I'm talking to you guys now who have wanted to give up on life. But you're still here. And I reckon if you looked back at the desert experience where you really came to that point of just like, I can't do it anymore. If you look back, I think that you will see that little trickle of water that came at just that moment 
that little tiny bit of food that just came at just that moment. That person who said that little tiny word or who did this thing, that little experience. If we open our eyes, I think we will see that life may not be what we wanted it to be, but I do believe that life gives us what we need to get through, to come out of our desert times, to come into places of healing and community and belonging. And, I, and again, I say this because I've seen it over and over again in the lives of so many people that I know. And I wish, gosh, I wish that those friends and others and that we all know that couldn't see it, that ended up taking their lives. I just, I wish they could have seen it. And may we, may we be in the lives of others that, um, may we be the tiny spring of water they need, the, the little tracks in the desert, the friends that walk alongside it may be just enough, just enough to keep going, but it is just enough. So if you're in the desert now and you're feeling at a loss, please look around you and find what might be just enough. Find what might be just enough to get you through. The desert really is showing us, it shows us what we need to get through life. Like the only way, the only way that our protagonist could get through the desert was, put it like this, was it was because of the habits that he and his companions lived out, day in and day out, walking, finding a scrap of food, talking, walking, finding water, etc., etc., etc. That pattern, that repetitive circular pattern that you heard in that story at the start, it was only that habit that, that rhythm that got them through. And this is, maybe this is kind of coming into the third thing now that I want to talk to about what the desert teaches us. This is, this is the, the major thing of, of what the desert teaches us. As in when, when the feelings are gone for your creativity, for life, for your, for your spirituality, whatever it might be, when the feelings are gone, when the passion has left, when the, the romance of the creative journey is no more, when it's dry sand and dry sand and dry sand and dry sand, when you've got nothing, the thing that will get you through is habit and rhythm. Habit and rhythm. Habit and rhythm. Habit and rhythm. Gonna make a habit, gonna make a rhythm, gonna make a pattern with our words to emphasize that we need habit and rhythm. You make the journey by walking step 
after step. Food, walking, talking, water. Food, walking, talking, water. Food, what? That's how, in my little story, that's how they got through. There's a lady named Lauren Winner. She wrote a, a beautiful book <laughs> called, I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, wait, I'm going to look at it and, and wait. All right, maybe I just cheated and looked it up for you because <laughs> I totally forgot it. Lauren Winner wrote a book called Still, Notes on a Mid-Faith Crisis beautiful book of when her life was falling apart and and how she grew during that time. And there's this beautiful quote from her. She says, on the days when I think I have a fighting chance at redemption, at change, I understand it to be these words and these rituals and these people who will change me. Some days I'm not sure if my faith is riddled with doubt or whether graciously my doubt is riddled with faith. And yet I continue to live in the world the way a religious person lives in the world. I keep living in a world that I know to be enchanted and not left alone. I doubt, I'm uncertain, I'm restless, prone to wander, and yet... Glimmers of holy keep interrupting my gaze. Now, don't don't let that word um, religious kind of make you freak out and go. I don't want to live. I don't want to live our. I don't like religious people. And actually, th- think about what she's what she's framing up here. What she's talking about is she's saying in the worst moments of her life, when things, when everything had totally fallen apart, um, she chose to still be part of a of a community of like a faith community. And and as she went, she didn't feel it at all. Like she still kept on going to a church, um, and kind of repeating the words of the prayers of the scriptures or whatever it might be, these words and these rituals and these people who will change me. She's saying, how does how does a religious person live in the world? Religion is about ritual, about connecting belief with, with practice. That's what religion is. And obviously religion has been screwed up by many, many people in this world. We know that. Um, take it out of, out of that context and bring it to this idea. Religion essentially is a, a the ritualistic practices that affirm someone's beliefs, that, that not just affirm them, but helps them to live out their beliefs. And so when life has fallen apart for her, for Lauren Winner, when everything is gone, when her faith is riddled with doubt or doubt riddled with fat, whatever it might be, what got her through was rituals, was going through the motions. We like we've given a, a bad rap to that idea of of going through the motions. Like I, you, you don't go through the motion. Don't just go through the motions. You want to feel it. You want to feel this thing you're doing. But actually, what I would say is this: go through the motions until those motions allow you to feel the passion again. Bring it into. We can take it out of kind of that spiritual religious context. Um, Go through the motions, the habits, the rituals of the creative life until you begin to feel it again. When you are not feeling it, when you do, when the feelings are gone and the passions are passions gone and the romance is gone, go through the motions. Go through the motions, the rhythms, the rituals, 
be religious in that sense about your creativity. Shape your life around around the habits that you need to get you through the desert. This is what will give you the, the tenacity. This is what will give you the resilience to get through the desert. Do the work and your desire for the work will come back. That's what I'm saying. Do the work and your desire for the work will come back. There's no way that you feel like uh, walking day in, day out through the desert of life, getting up and walking day in, day out, getting up and sitting at the computer and typing day in, day out to get that novel done, day in, day out, doing the painting day in. There's no way we feel like that all the time. We can't. And that is okay. That is absolutely okay. If in the midst of not feeling that, we still do it anyway. We get up and we do it anyway. We sit there and we do the work and we do the work until we get it done. The way we do it is we create in our lives. It's not any of the, like a lot of people say about me uh, that I'm really prolific, that I have, like I'm I'm constantly generating things, constantly generating things. But they say it in like a, like, oh man, you're just really prolific. Like you just do all the things. How do you do all the things? I just can't do all the things. Um, I think that that in saying that, what actually is happening, prolific, saying like, oh, that person is prolific in their work. They're just, they just do it. It's like another way that we bluff off hard work. It's like saying, oh, that person's like, we, yeah, like we'd say like, oh, that person's so like just naturally talented. Like they were born with that talent. That person's so lucky. That's not about talent or luck or being, or being just happening. It, it, because it doesn't just happen. No, the only way, the only way is what I would call a steady rhythm of small things. That is what gets us through the desert. A steady rhythm of small things. this friend, uh, Stephanie, who's been knitting for many, many years. She takes needles with her wherever she goes. She knits in meetings and movies and conversations. She knits because this is how her hands move. Now, when uh, a number of years ago, my wife started uh, knitting, if Steph, like Steph did it so much, she would make knitting looked easy uh, when she was doing it. Uh, And yet when, when my wife started knitting, it, it was a slow and frustrating process for her and so she doesn't doesn't do it anymore. She tried for a while and doesn't do it anymore. Uh, I mean, as, as is often the case, whenever we start a new venture, it's slow and it's hard and frustrating. Uh, she would take steps with care and precision, like knitting two stitches forward, one stitch back, mistake, losing the thread. Um, all those things, fingers... If we allow them to, not my, my wife gave up, but if, 
<laughs> if you allow them to, our fingers slowly learn these new movements. Even Steph or other people who I know who are amazing knitters, it began as this slow back and forth, one, two stitches forward, one stitch back, um, losing thread, etc., etc. began like that, but fingers will slowly learn new rhythms and movements that become habits and habits that become rhythm until you're knitting a beautiful thing. Like with lots of practice, my wife one day could have become like that. Um, moving from methodical steps that are consciously enacted to a place where movement simply happens through fingers without the need for direct cognitive choice. Let me let me say this again. It's the movement from methodical steps that are consciously enacted to a place where the movement simply happens through fingers without the need for direct cognitive choice. That's what a habit is. That's the rhythms that we that I want you to try to bring into your creative life. If you can have habits in your creative life, and you're going to, we'll do some thinking about that in a second, what they might be. Um, Habits that will then, they might start off a bit slow and hard and cumbersome, but you work your way, you work your way, you work your way until you're doing it without even thinking. You're knitting without even thinking. It's become the habit. It's become the rhythm that you needed but it starts off slow and messy and hard um, until it becomes high-speed movements bringing about beautiful gowns, gowns, I don't know, whatever you're going to knit, really cool scarves and and beanies. (laughs) Um, What appears, though, when you see the amazing people doing their amazing creative things, what appears as graceful? will have only come about through the long, long hours of hard, hard work and repetition and repetition becoming habit and habit becoming... When we often see the people at the end of the process, when we see something beautiful, when we see the Instagram post go up from artist worldly, you know, that beautiful... I I watch that all the time because every video in it, I'm like, gosh, how the hell did they do that? How the hell they did it was working darn hard, was creating habits in their life through the desert times of their life to get through those desert times. Um, They began with a slow weaving, a slow weaving, focused attention, focused attention, making mistakes and frustration and mistakes and frustration and making a habit and making a habit and getting up and doing the same things every day, walking through the desert it day in, day out, day in, day out, choosing the practices that they're going to live day in, day out, day in, day out, knitting over and under and over and under and over and under again and again and again until those chosen commitments of what they are wanting to make and and the kind of knitter that they want to be um, flow out in these beautiful patterns. They we we build our lives anew from when we are in the desert and we've got to build again and build again. We build our lives anew from the foundations up slowly through practices and rhythms and habits. That's what creativity is. When 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 all you believe is lost and you are in the desert, a dry husk, and God is nowhere to be seen. It is the habits 
the the patterns, the actions, the rhythms that will help you, that will be the things that get you through. Whether we're talking creative life or your spiritual or your spirituality, whatever that might be for you, when everything is dried up and gone and that passion you once had is gone, it is the habits that will get you through. Twyla Tharp talks about it. Twyla Tharp, what a book. The Creative Habit is her book. She's an incredible choreo... Wasn't, I don't know if she still choreographs now, um, dances, but amazing dancer. She wrote a book called The Creative Habit. She says this in it, creative acts are born of either... She's saying that there's this thing that we have in our culture that talks about creative acts... And, and there's this kind of wrestle in our brains between, well, they're born of either this or either this. Here she said, they're born of either A, some transcendent, inexplicable act of inspiration, a kiss from God on your brow that allows you to give the world the magic flute, or B, from hard work. And she says in her life, it's hard work. It's hard work. That's that's what our creative acts are born out of. She also and, and she says part of this. Then what she goes on to say is that if you want to be if you want to be creative, you got to know how to prepare to be creative. To put in the rituals and practices that no matter what you were going through, no matter what desert you find yourself in, you're prepared for that desert. Desert. If you can prepare properly for the desert experiences before you come into the desert, then it's going to make the journey through the desert so much easier. So much easier. If you can put in place the practices to become habits in, of your creative life now when you're, in, when you're in a beautiful flourishing season, put the habits in so that when you hit the desert and you're in the desert and things suck and that passion is gone, when you're working on your creative project and, and now you're like two years and three drafts down of your novel that you're just you're just in the desert in if you have these creative habits that you're living out you're just going to you're just going to do them even when you don't feel it that's what we're getting towards you do them you do them you do them uh, mozart mozart did the same you guys mozart writes to a friend he writes this People err, error, err, people err, when, people err who think my art comes easily to me. I assure you, dear friend, nobody has, nobody has devoted so much time and thought to composition as I. There is not a famous master whose music I have not industriously studied through many times. Oh, I love this because it's bringing in the other thing, of course, of the the people that we journey with. We're going to be talking more about that soon again uh, in another episode. But I love that it's actually through these, his, him studiously studying through uh, the people that that have created in the past, the masters of, of his craft in the past, the masters of his craft in the past. There's some, some assonance for you. Mozart devoted his time. It wasn't, it wasn't a fluke. It was his consistent consistency. It was the habits he created in his life. That's what made Mozart, Mozart, 
Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, she says the same, most of my writing life consists of nothing more than an unglamorous, disciplined labour. I sit at my desk and I work like a farmer. And that is how it gets done. These habits, these habits, these rhythms, creative habits, this is what will get you through the desert. get to the end of the desert, the only way we come to the other side is it comes through through community. There's three of them walking through the desert. We can only do this in community. We can only get through the desert when we're talking, when we're open, when we're not hiding away in shame because we feel like uh, people won't understand, uh, people expecting this thing of me and I've got nothing left to give. I'm in the bloody desert. Tell the people, talk to the people. Don't hide away in the desert by yourself because you won't make it. You're not going to make it through the desert if you don't have the habits and the rhythms and the people to come alongside you. Get in community in whatever way that you can. Again, I want to I talk about this in a, in a, it's so important, the relational community aspect. I'm going to dedicate a whole episode to it soon. Um, but it comes, how we get through the desert, the only way that life will come back to us, it comes through community, through vulnerable conversations, through people willing to come alongside other people. It comes through books. It comes through ritual and repetition, through whispers of intuition, through looking for for scraps and fragments of inspiration, through tracking, through pilgrimage, through asking questions, through a are going through the motions until the motions become real again through dialogue with those who have managed to hold their worlds together, through dialogue with those who have not. It comes through risk and through courage and through persistence and through resilience. It comes when we are able to bring into our life the ha- lives, the habits that we need. So uh, we're, we're coming out of the desert. We've made it to the river. That's where we're making it to through these habits. We're making it to the new green land beyond. We're coming into a time of sanctuary. So what we're going to talk about next is sanctuary but also the, the green lands of excellence, of creating excellent, amazing things. There's a guy named Will Durant, uh, who was an English writer, who he kind of had this, you know, how this happens when uh, you say something amazing and then it gets attributed to um, someone really, 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 really famous. Well, this, this, everyone thought this was what Aristotle said, but it was uh, an Englishman named Will Durant kind of reflecting in one of in his in his book uh, I forget what the book of philosophy book reflecting on Aristotle um, he says this he says we are what we repeatedly do we are what we repeatedly do excellence then is not an act but a habit 
Excellence is not an act, but a habit. This is the green lands beyond the desert. It's the land of excellence. That's what we are heading towards and the way that we get there. If you want to be excellent in your creativity and bring about incredible things, it's going to happen through habits. So it's a green land of of rest and sanctuary and a green land of excellence in your creativity. It's being the best damn creative you can be. It's going to happen in the desert and through habits. But for now, coming into land, what what are these creative practices and habits going to be for you? What are they going to be for you that will get you through the desert? One of the main things, and this is what really what we're going to go into next episode, one of the main habits we need to bring in is rhythms of rest. So we'll, we'll talk about that soon. We can engage more with those patterns next episode. For this episode, what are the... What are the motions of your creativity, the habits? What are you going to do to continue through the desert when when your love for it all is gone, when the feelings are gone? Um, I don't know what these things are going to be for you, but I want you to make a list. Make a list of, of two things. One, the things you already are doing that maybe you don't even realize that like it, it just takes a little bit of intentional choice to take a meaningless act that you already do and make it a meaningful, intentional habit that will get you through the desert. I'm talking about like one of my beautiful practices that I, that I do whenever I come to create is I make a cup of tea. Whenever I sit at the table to do some writing, I make a cup of tea. And what it does, it just, it brings about, it brings me into the moment. That's what it does. It brings me, remember talking about habits, about pain, rituals, bring us into the present moment. It stops me from worrying about everything else that's happening in my life. What can you do? What ritual can you bring into your life to bring you into the present moment? Name the ones you already do. Name the ones you already do. If creativity is about being here now and creating, it, whether it's lighting, lighting a candle, making a cup of tea, having a coffee. I remember my friend Pip Williams, the writer, talking about how she has a cup of coffee. She, whenever she writes, she has a cup of coffee, so that it's like as soon it's like that um, that Pavlov's dog when the dog and the bell and the saliva and go back to high school. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like that. Do the things that will get you into creative mode, even when you don't feel like it, so that when I make a cup of tea, though I'm in the desert, I, I, I still come into that creative mode. If you light a candle every time. Then, then even when you're not feeling it, you light the candle and you just write. Do what are your habits going to be? You can give yourself word counts. I'm going to write. This is going to be my habit. I'm going to write a hundred words every day, regardless or whatever it might be. Um, it can be about the place that you go to is a habit, like physical place that you can go to. It's about um, those little ritual practices that that demarcate this creative time things that demarcate this time, that's what will get you through these habits. So I want you to make a list. Make a list of 
the things that you currently do with, that may be just with a little intentional choice, intentional meaning added to them, they might become really sacred practices for you in your creative journey, habits, the things you do day in, day out. Um, what are the things you do and what are the things you could add to? What are the things you could add to your creative practice? What are the practices you could, what are the things that might become habits that you're like, actually, maybe I need to start doing this. I need to start reading a chapter of a book um, each day uh, to get me whatever book, a creative book, a something book each day to get me into the zone. One of my things is running, like I've been talking about a few times in this, um, throughout this series. I, I may, I've made a habit now, it's becoming a habit uh, of running every morning. And it's part of, it's not just keeping me healthy, it's part of my creative practice because I know how much good creative breakthroughs have been happening for me. And so my running is a creative habit. Um, what are the lists? That's that's your homework. That's your bringing it down to the where the rubber hits the road in your own, in your own creative life. Um, what are the what are these habits going to be? Work it out. Work it out, and start living them out. Start living them out. I'm going to talk more about habits of rest. And we'll talk more about habits of community in future episode. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the Deep Place podcast as we go on this journey. My prayer for you, my hope for you is that when you go through the desert of your creative journey, when you go through the desert of your life, of your spirituality, of your faith, whatever it might be. May the things that that I've gone through in this episode, may that give you the gumption to keep on going. What's the desert teaching you? It's teaching you that you need rhythms and habits and community in your life. See you next time, friends. 